recording what's going on guys and welcome to episode seven of the listen whilst you step podcast today we are super lucky to have sam mead on me and sam met through adam and the online trainer education we were actually both in the same intake i believe uh, I were? think we were, yeah. I think we were, yeah. And it's just all kind of blossomed from there. We're now in the inner circle together. Um, and it's super cool to have him on. He's an absolutely incredible online coach, gets some insane results with his clients. And he's also got some very cool uh, perspectives on coaching and the kind of methods that he does. So I'm sure we're going to dive into those a little bit today in the podcast. Um, but mate, why don't you just tell us a little bit about kind of who you are, what you do, how you got to where you are, how did you get into your fitness journey? Cool. So... I going back to you know the 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 earlier days of me getting into training. Uh, I used to play rugby at a fairly good level, um, and then in, in 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 I got injured, so I ruptured my ACL. Had to have that operated on, um, so I had to do like um, you know reconstructive surgery on my knee. Um, had a load of physio into that, and then part of that, the rehab phase was going through um, like a gym based program. So I had like a program following the gym, and uh, that was involving like just rehab stuff on the knee. I then sort of started to sort of take a bit of a liking, sort of just doing a little bit of extra stuff at the end of each session and started sort of to tie it in with a bit more of like a, a split more for like my own sort of personal sort of enjoyment rather than the rehab stuff. And that sort of just transitioned me on to just training for myself beyond that, that rehab phase. I was then around about 17 at the time. Um, and I was in that sort of situation of like, do I go to college? Do I sort of just start working? What do I actually do? What do I enjoy at the time? I sort of didn't really know what to be doing. I thought, actually, you know what? I really enjoy training. I, I like it for my own sort of, you know, personal enjoyment. I'm, I'm sort of helping other people at the same time. So I went and did my PT qualification, got qualified at the time. It was like a 10 week, I did like a 10 week intensive course. Mm-hmm. So I was in and out within 10 weeks, started uh, working at like a relatively local gym. Um, at that point, it was just sort of, you know, you're in your sort of first gym, you know, you're mainly actually cleaning treadmills and doing a reception based uh, <laughs> job. So it was sort of like I did that, it served its purpose for like a year or so, then sort of made a transition to a, a different gym, which was, it was a bit more of a role of actually like giving people like programs and things like that. Did that for a couple of years, then started working at um, like a PT studio. So that was just simply, I was working just doing PT uh, with clients and my own client base, worked there for around about two and a half years got to the point where I sort of actually started sort of dabbled in online coaching a little bit, had my own online coach for about 18 months, two years. Um, and I thought, actually, you know, this, this, I like the online coaching side of things. So I just tried to sort of just build it up myself and uh, actually quite enjoyed it. Got to the point where within the sort of the business I was working with, um, doing my PT, I was at the situation where I had, to, they were basically telling me, you either stay with us and you do your PT and you grow with the business or you do your online coaching because at the moment it's a bit of a conflict of interest. Um, you know, you have your PT clients working with you through our business or you have your online coaching clients. It can't be sort of, you know, two of the same. So I actually made the decision to go on my own and go uh, and do my own online coaching. Um, at that time, I did have a few clients I was still working with on a PT basis, which I basically moved to another gym. And I was there with them for about sort of 10 months. Then the gym burned down. So uh, the gym oh, actually got, mate. yeah, the gym, yeah, the gym. <laughs> Baptism uh, got, of fire, literally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the gym uh, got like, petrol bombed by someone. So um, uh, yeah, so that was literally my holding client, whole entire client base just literally like just dropped overnight. Um, you know, rocking up to a Saturday morning PT session and literally like the, the gym's literally some ashes. <laughs> it wasn't great. So anyway, um, yeah, at that point, um, that's when I originally got in, in touch with Adams. Like, listen, I need to make the online coaching work. I've got, you know, a fairly sort of okay handful of clients, but I need to make it, make it work. And that was last um, October. I started with Adam. Yeah, um, October, and, November time, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. So I sort of had a couple of mentoring days with him because when Adam used to live in Crawley, uh, I literally live like 15 minutes away from him. So I literally just like literally down the road. So I did a couple of mentoring days with him, and then from then it's just basically been just blowing up. Like the, the coaching's just like completely sort of evolved. Um, work with more clients. I've got a better system. Got a bit of service. Um, work with more people. Um, and now that's just developed to, to where we are now. We are now in the inner circle and that's basically my position uh, of my coaching and where it is now. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome, mate. It's, it's funny. We've actually got fairly kind of similar stories kind of getting into things that like I played rugby at a, a pretty decent level when I was younger as well. As I kind of got older, a lot of injuries started getting in the way and then that started getting in the way of like me training all my PT clients and then met up with Adam, like 
and I actually did a photo shoot with Ben and then Ben yeah. put me in contact with Adam and then all of that. It's all just gone from there. So it's quite interesting. We've got fairly similar stories. I did actually do, I did actually do a photo shoot with Ben as well. Yeah, he's a cool bloke. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll never yeah. forget it. The f- one of the first things he said to me, I picked him up from the airport. Hurry. He goes, I've got a question for you. I was like, okay. He goes, would you rather sit on a dick and eat a cake or sit on a cake and eat a dick? I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, that was one way to like break the ice. Yeah, like, exactly. He's got his yeah. own, uh, he's got his own, um, his own character, which is, uh, he's, he's quite a cool guy actually. Um, he's again, local and I've done, I'd loads of photo shoots with him with clients and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, he's awesome. He's, uh, he's, he's really good at what he does. And, um, yeah, awesome. Yeah. I, I'd never done a photo shoot until I'd done one with him. And that, that was kind of, for me, that was one of the kind of pivotal moments and it was awesome. And I did a photo shoot with a few clients kind of a couple of months back and it was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely hoping to get a few more in for clients and things like that. Um, but awesome. Thank you for that, mate. Let's kind of get into what we're going to cover in today's podcast. And I just want to kind of talk about the journey of a real transformation, because I think both from a coaching point of view and from a client's point of view, getting clear on this is absolutely priceless. From a coaching point of view, really setting yourself, setting your kind of clients up for success, uh, making it clear to them that there's going to be times where you're not going to feel motivated or you might not see the best kind of results in terms of weight loss, in terms of like visuals and things like that. But that's all normal. Um, from a client's point of view, it's then knowing that this is normal, you're doing really well, you're ticking all your boxes, it's going to come, you've just got to stay consistent. So um, my first kind of question to you is, how long would you generally say, and is there any numbers that you can put on things, is how long is it going to take for someone to see real results in terms of fat loss? So, I mean, in terms of the actual physical uh, rate of progress when it comes down to fat loss, like it is actually a fairly fastish pro- uh, process. Like, you know, a lot of the clients I work with, you know, within eight to 12 weeks, you know, they're, they're nearly always going to be some, seeing some form of, you know, physical change. Now, I've obviously, ch- I've coached, you know, clients from coming from different backgrounds wanting to achieve you know a varying sort of degree of results so i've had some clients who've lost up towards like 100 pound which is like seven stone that's okay. obviously not taking you know eight to 12 weeks that's like over a year however you know generally speaking fat loss is a fairly fastest pro- process to begin with and i always like to you know when i do work with a client get some of those results fairly early on fairly quickly purely because you know when they've got that initial sort of buy into coaching and seeing results they want to see okay right i'm actually seeing some results here it's not just mm-hmm. another thing i've tried and not seen any results with so i like to sort of go you know into a journey fairly quickly start giving them that sort of initial buy in from seeing some good results whilst developing habits and routines alongside it and that's yeah. where people go wrong and that's where these sort of like other sort of programs and schemes don't work because they've got like half of it but they've not got the actual which is gonna they've, they've not got the part which is actually gonna serve like lifelong habits and routines they've just got okay well, i'll crash diet you for like six weeks lose like you know 12 to 14 pound and then you know 10 weeks down the line you're back at square one again but yeah. i like to sort of actually sort of combine some you know fairly sort of instant progress to begin with alongside sort of habits and routines but to be honest like i say with a lot of the clients that i work with you know i like to sort of say to them you know, around that sort of six to physical changes, whether you sort of see yourself differently in the mirror, you feel better, you look better, your clothes fit differently. Um, you know, I always work with my clients for a minimum of three months at least. Like I'd, I'd never take anyone uh, on, you know, under three months because I, I feel like, you know, if you're going to get a real result and a real transformation, like you've got to put some time into it. And whilst fat, whilst fat loss is a you know a fairly quick process, like even three months, it's not really that long. If you think about, okay, well, you've been struggling for your weight for two years and you've been you've been out of shape for two years three months is a fairly short time frame to try and turn it around. So yeah. like I say, I sort of like, I like to sort of try and aim to get some form of physical changes as quickly as, you know, uh, as, you know, uh, as, as possible. However, you know, by that sort of eight week mark, I'd like to sort of see most of my clients or seen some form of degree of change. Mm-hmm. Um, and then up towards sort of 10, 12, 12 weeks, that's when sort of the real sort of physical changes come out. But that could be sort of anywhere from like 12 to 16 to 20 to, you know, 30 odd weeks. You know, it really depends on, where they're at what goals they've got and their start point like you said yeah yeah the starting point of where the client is but i'm i'm massive and exactly the same as you is that first kind of four weeks um for me there's two goals and i call this the kind of learning phase the number one goal is get some results for people because like you said people start all programs like oh this isn't going to work and for me one of the most important things is buy-in if someone buys into something they're going to do it and they're going to get results. If someone goes, this isn't going to work for me, it probably fucking won't. It's that yeah, simple. Yeah. Okay. So yes, we want to get that buy and we want to give you those first wins when those first wins are easy. But now we want to start learning what's going to work for you. Is it taking more of an intermittent fasting approach? Is it training three days a week? Is it training six days a week? Is it 
uh, going low carb, like anything like that. It's finding what works for you and learning the habits that you need to kind of set you up moving forwards for sure. So on that, what are kind of the most important habits that you would say um, a client or a person needs to learn in that kind of first phase, that first kind of one to four, one to six weeks? So, I mean, for me and my clients, like, you know, I'm near on like 99% of the clients I work with are all coming down to fat loss. So it's just a simple case of like learning the habits which are going to enable you to actually follow the principles of fat loss, as in understanding calories and understanding that you need to be probably moving a bit more as well. So habits around activity, as in, right, you know, you have a non-negotiable, you know, 8,000, 10,000 steps that you need to include per day, whether that's, you know, walking to work rather than driving or, you know, taking out an intentional 20 minute walk before you even start anything in the morning or doing something or even like you know walking for five to ten minutes on the treadmill before you do each session for example that's soon going to add up and just having some form of habit they can tie into something they're already going to be doing Mm -hmm. so i like to try and sort of tie in a habit which is something they're going to do anyway so for example if they go on um and walk the dog every morning just walk the dog on a slightly longer route you know that's a real easy habit because they're already doing that action in the morning they're already walking the dog so just doing it for an extra five to ten minutes is really easy um or if they're going if, if for example you know they go to work and they sort of have to, I don't know, catch a train to work, for example, and they can walk to the station rather than drive. Do that because you're, you're all, you, you need to go to work every day. So you're, already, you're always going to be going to the station. But if you can walk every morning rather than driving, again, you're just going to be ramping that activity up straight up. And I think steps are so, you know, um, they're, they're, they're so underrated when actually like a lot of the clients I have, like it's literally just like resistance training probably between three and five days a week and keeping and, and pushing their steps up. And yeah. that is literally probably it. Mm-hmm. Um, so focus on straight away on easy, uh, real actionable ways that they can increase activity, which is probably nine times out of 10, just going to be doing more steps in some way, which is going to fit within their lifestyle and understanding sort of, you know, real easy habits of just managing their in their their intake a bit more, whether that's, you know, like, you know, looking at, um, understanding calories in a bit more detail restructuring their day in terms of how often they're eating maybe or looking at the times of day when they're actually going to be wanting to be eating rather than when they're just like maybe bored in the evenings or you know some clients will come to me and say oh, i've been like you know eating breakfast because i've been told i need to eat breakfast but actually i don't really like eating breakfast i'm like well don't eat breakfast then like you know work and create habits around what your lifestyle and your preference is going to want you to do yeah. um you know if you're busy in the morning say for example you're you're getting up, you're training, you're sorting the kids out, you're getting the kids ready for school, you're taking the kids to school, you're coming back, you're getting ready for work, going to work. Like you haven't got time to think about breakfast. And a lot of people, they don't actually want breakfast. And actually, you know, they're, they're often being told they have to be having it. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're trying to just force habits which don't really sort of fit within their lifestyle. And as a result, they're never going to be able to sustain it because it's not fitting in within their lifestyle. So I like to just like say the main things we focus on is integrating habits which is going to suit. Um, you know their general day-to-day lifestyle but really focusing on the key principles of managing activity and intake as in calories and steps yeah 100% like you said I think steps is the the hidden gem of fat loss in my eyes and one of the reasons this podcast is called listen whilst you step because so big with everybody on getting out doing your steps and it's been one of the most revolutionary things in my life just from like a headspace point of view as well like everyone just lives such a stressful life at the moment just a lot of people live in quite nice places like get out enjoy some fresh air man and just chill like enjoy it yeah i can remember when i sort of first really got got into the diet into of you know um sort of phase of my own journey like years ago and like i wasn't doing any cardio but i just just had in my mind i was just gonna go out for a walk every like at this point i didn't really i don't i can't remember if it was that i was was tracking calories or whatever it was but i just knew that i had to be moving more so i think i just just said to myself right go out for a morning walk every morning and it was so ingrained within a habit even if i had like a you know a session like a pt session like say 6 30 in the morning i remember i was getting up getting up at like five o'clock in the morning doing a 45 minute walk literally just around the block coming back going to work doing a session and and i've done like you know 45 minutes of steps early on in the morning and i just and it's just it's just so easy but had such a big impact to my results and there's no like you know um there was no like having to like physical cardio in the gym all the time or doing like you know hit training every morning just literally go out for a walk and I, I was doing it funny enough I was actually doing it exactly you know what a lot of people are probably doing on this going out for a morning walk sticking a podcast on walking for 45 minutes and coming back home and I set my day up I'd done a fairly sort of decent amount of physical activity already I listened to something which is actually going to help improve my education and awareness and knowledge uh, of training nutrition um, and it's just really easy to actually apply because one I enjoyed it and two I could fit it in with my lifestyle really easily yeah massively as just I, everyone i think if you're not doing between eight and twelve thousand steps like do it you're missing you're, out yeah yeah you're missing out you you will see like results and changes very 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 quickly and i think people go oh my god i can't do that i can't do that but just little bits here and there really really do add up and i 
I'm a big advocate of making sure you get up and do something before you even start your day because I think it just sets your day up for success so well. Um, if you can get out and do three to 5,000 steps first thing in the morning, like that's only a 20 minute to a 45 minute walk realistically. That's the thing. And the way I look at it is when I sort of you know, speak with new clients and they say, they, say, they, say, they say the same thing, they sort of straight away think, oh, I'm not going to have to do that many steps per day. I say, well, you know, if you think about doing, say, I don't know, 6,000 steps is probably around about maybe an hour's walk or something like that, for mm-hmm. example. And if they're doing under that, I say, okay, well, you're getting up at, say, six in the morning and you're going to bed at 10 at night. You're up for 16 hours a day and you're struggling to move for one of them. Something's not, that, something's, not, something's not really lining up. You know, you're up for 16 hours and you're physically struggling to move for 60 minutes out of the 16 hours you're up. You know, it's mm-hmm. not really a lot. You know, if someone's struggling to get like 30, you know, 3,000 steps in, they're moving for less than 30 minutes out of being up for 16 hours. <laughs> something's going to miss here. You know, so you just need to look at your day from like a bird's eye point of view and think, okay, when have I got the opportunities to actually step in? If it means getting up half an hour earlier to get, you know, a half hour's walk and then go for it, it's going to probably make you feel better. You know, do some form of physical activity and it's going to have a big impact on your results. Yeah, massively. So many people get up, they look at their phone, they've got 20 messages, their boss is having a go at them, the kids are late, they're running late, they sit in traffic, it's lose, 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 lose. Yeah. Get up, get that first win and then go get after your fucking day and you'll smash it. I really, I really do think you will. Um, another thing that I'm big on with my clients in this kind of learning phase is understanding the actual like nutritional value of foods. Like it's great um, understanding calories in, calories out and everything like that. But within that, and we kind of go that layer deeper, understanding about calorie density. I always say to my clients, on one side of the spectrum, we've got super healthy. On the other side of the spectrum, we've got super effective for fat loss. And we've got this kind of middle area. And this is, these are the foods that we want to be choosing that are going to keep us satiated, keep us full, but also look after our health. And I think in this first phase, it's knowing what's actually in foods and what foods are actually made up of so that they can make those healthy choices yeah. Um, is there anything you go over with your clients with that to kind of really help educate them or is it just tracking and learning by themselves? So yeah, exactly that. You know, one of the sort of the um, almost mini sort of lessons that we sort of cover to begin with will be a learning sort of um, food choices and calorie density, um, you know, because ultimately there's a lot, of, like you said, there's a lot of foods which are deemed healthy, which probably may not actually be seeds avocados nut butters all that sort of stuff into their diet yes it's quite healthy but actually you know you soon you, you look at it and they're having like a a salad and it's like 800 calories because they've got like you know <laughs> olive oil they've got cheese they've got salmon they've got this they've got avocado and before they know it they're, they're you know their overall calorie intake for that meal is super high so like you said it's just a combination of combining um foods which are going to be effective for fat loss foods they enjoy yeah. uh, within the, within their nutrition um you know because yes you know healthy doesn't equal fat loss you know if you're eating healthy food which is very calorie dense and therefore putting you into a calorie surplus and leading you to actually gain fat that's not healthy either nice. so you've got to combine that you know uh, you basically got to f- uh, combine food quality and food quantity and find that middle ground of what's going to be sort of you know um superior for managing fat loss you know managing your food quality but actually like you say sort of keeping yourself full up giving you the adequate sort of nutrients you need mm-hmm. um and actually sort of live, giving you something you can actually feel you can actually stick with for a fairly decent amount of time you know because people aren't going to be wanting to eat you like you know steak and nuts for breakfast all the time <laughs> like, then they're not going to want to eat these sort of like you know real sort of like you know bodybuilder split type breakfasts or you know they're not going to be wanting sort of like um you know drown their, their their food in olive oils because they're told it's healthy because they've been told it's healthy like they actually sometimes yeah. just want a real basic food a basic meal which they actually enjoy um but learning about like you know okay well, if you had 200 calories worth of strawberries or 200 calories worth of peanut butter it's going to look totally different yeah. um so having that awareness of exactly like you say understanding calorie density is probably again a super super useful tip for most people if they're trying to sort of understand nutrition which is going to really help their goals yeah massively and i think just learning those taking the time and understanding yes you're going to see some results in terms of fat loss and weight loss and all of that but looking at that first kind of four weeks as an education let's learn all the skills that we need to set you up moving forward and set you up for success once you've kind of taught everyone the basics they they need i think the kind of next phase is kind of developing those habits and forming those actual habits there's so many numbers thrown around there that uh, a habit takes 27 days it takes 60 days to create like I think everybody does it differently. And I think the more habits that you start to create, the easier that you can pick them up. That's what I think, especially if you look at habit stacking and all that, which we kind of touched on the first, but that's Mm -hmm. a whole, that's a whole nother podcast. Um, So 
what do you say to clients when they're like, ah, oh, in this next kind of phase, after that kind of initial four, five, six weeks, weight loss may have kind of slowed down a touch. What do you go and say to them now when they're kind of developing these habits now? So obviously, you know, the initial stages of, um, you know, the, the journey are always going to be faster and, and, and you're going to likely see, you know, a, a bit of a, you know, a, a sort of more of like a significant impact on weight loss purely because obviously one, we, you know, you go fairly aggressive to get a buy in it two, you're losing a lot of water and so forth. So that sort of development, that development phase, I think it's aware to sort of be, you know, that is what it is designed for. Like, you know, developing the habits that you sort of planned and sort of, you know, picked around in that first sort of initial sort of say four weeks. So developing things and sort of, you know, looking at how you can stick to it for longer. So like if you sort of worked on, you know, how you can sort of include more steps, how you can sort of manage food, understand, you know, calorie density, all that sort of stuff within that initial four weeks, and just learning sort of the basic key principles. The next stage is, okay, well, how can you really now solidify that into a routine and what sort of actions and behaviors can you develop to keep that going um you know because like i say a combination of habits is a routine so if you can sort of really sort of develop that routine now the habits just sort of fall into place like second nature so it's looking at now from just sort of picking like a handful of individual habits and now actually right how can you combine it into a routine so for example you know um the routine of getting up in the morning you know getting ready going for a 30 minute walk before anything else that's now a routine um that you can apply within your lifestyle so it's you know it is that case of now looking at right we're now we're going to be sort of stringing those little habits together to form the routine that you can build into your lifestyle that now now sort of become second nature they don't they don't sort of feel forced they don't feel like they're you know um simulated they just feel like they're part of your life so that, that, that's what you do and before you know it you know it's just like brushing your teeth you know you don't think oh i'm gonna go and brush my teeth now it's just it's just like you're, you're, you're literally doing it without even realizing um you know sometimes like when you're driving your car back from the gym for example you sort of go you get in the car and you almost like go for a bit of like a mind fog and you, before you realize that you're at home because you're an autopilot you, you go back that route so often because it's, it's, it's become such a routine to go that way home you don't really realize you've actually driven there. Whereas if you're like, you know, driving in a, a town you've never been in before, you're, you're so like aware of what's going on because it's new, it's different. You've never been there before. And it's the same with a habit. You know, if you have an, if you instill a habit and a routine within your lifestyle, it, it no longer really feels like it's a habit or routine. It just feels like it's something you do every day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for like I said, the, the clients that I work with, it's just a case of really sort of developing the routine and, and, and sort of structure behind that to, um, just hold on to those habits so they, they don't sort of drop off because a habit is not a habit unless you can actually stick to it it's like anything yeah. you know if, if you just force if you try, try and force a habit and actually after like a couple of weeks you can't stick to it anymore you need to look at something else because it's not going to work so i just sort of look at it look at the four weeks look at the habits which you need to include off the back of that it's in working on the routines to actually sort of instill that into your lifestyle and actually keep to it long term yeah this that's a, you literally took the words out of my mouth this is the phase where we set you up for long-term success yeah this is where we make everything from conscious to unconscious we make it from oh i need to remember to do my steps i need to remember to meal prep i need to remember to log my food to it's just something you do without thinking about and my opinion is if you can make something unconscious it becomes easy and if it's easy that gets results because you can stick to it. It's yeah, that yeah. simple. Okay. Um, so I think it's very, very important that clients and coaches know that this next kind of phase is in just all about. So like you said, solidifying and developing and just tightening up any loose edges. If you see that people may have started to develop habit, maybe it is walking in the morning, but they really, really struggle with that. Mm -hmm. There's no point in trying to get them to keep plowing on through that. Okay. Let's try something else. And that's the role of a coach is to look at it and offer solutions, not to mm -hmm. go, you have to do this because then they're just going to end up not doing it at all. It's offering solutions. Maybe it's like, right, that's fine. But before and after your workout, I want to make sure that you finish with five to 10 minutes on the treadmill. Okay. Mm -hmm. They go, oh yeah, that's easy because I'm already in the gym. All right. So it's okay. making sure that we're tweaking and solidifying and moving forward. Okay. After this kind of development phase, this is where I personally believe 90% of people drop off because this is where kind of fat loss and results really do start to slow down and people can get a little bit demoralized. And I call this the, the investment phase. This is where shit gets a little bit more difficult, but you've just got to keep plodding along. It's that kind of, um, you've seen that meme with the pickaxe and the diamonds and yeah. when I stopped It's literally that. Okay. If you just get through this kind of next four to six weeks, you're going to go, Holy shit. This is what I've achieved. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you say to clients when they get to this, when they come to go, Sam, my results are slowing down. It's getting difficult. I don't know if I can do this. What do you go and say to them? 
So in this phase, yeah, like you said, it's very, it's, it's, it's almost like that make or break. If people come through it, they're going to achieve a hell of a result and a hell of a transformation. But a lot of people sort of, they'll, they'll sort of like almost fall at the last hurdle. Just, mm-hmm. they, they won't get beyond that. Um, and it's the people who do get beyond that are the, are the ones which are really going to take off. Um, but yeah, it can be sort of, it can be sort of quite disheartening because, you know, people are almost expecting to see the rate of progress, which they've seen in the beginning sort of four to eight weeks, for example. But when they get past the eight week mark, it's sort of things do start sl- slowing down and, maybe that novelty's worn off a little bit you know they're not having loads and loads and loads of new new things to follow anymore it's just a case of right you made some really good progress over the last eight weeks we're going to stick with that we're doing that now for as long as we possibly can until it no longer works anymore you know yeah. you may only be you may be progressing at a slightly slower rate but you're still progressing you know progress is progress and why make why make things harder than it needs to be you know if you can still progress and lose you know however much power a week which is still going to chip keep chipping your way to the end result but it's at a slightly slower progress but you're still heading in the right direction you're still managing it it's not it it's not it's not acting as an inconvenience um you know you can still sustain it you can still adhere to it well you know you, you don't get any brownie points or a better result for making it harder than it needs to be you know there's, there's no point in throwing extra things into the into the mix for the sake of it you know realistically how i like to work with my clients is actually by doing as little as possible and eating as much as possible so realistically yep. changes to it are only going to be adding even even more steps or more cardio or decreasing food so any change is only going to really make it harder for you um so if you can actually think right you know what it's worked for the last eight weeks don't change it until we really need to so exactly that it's just almost prepping them really sort of nailing down the expectations of what is going to happen moving forward um and just make it clear like it's not going to be you know it's all it's not going to be all like you know fancy and magical and we're not going to be sort of having all these different really weird approaches that you might have seen before it's just really nailing the basics and getting very very good at doing things which people don't do on a daily basis and that's just simply being consistent yeah be relentless relentlessly tick those boxes and honestly that's one of the biggest mistakes when people start to see that a little bit slow down that's when people go oh i need to drop my calories i need to add in cardio no just keep going my opinion if shit ain't broken don't fucking fix it (laughs) i say that literally probably four or five times a week to my clients like oh should i drop my calories on no yeah. you're making good progress. You may have had a tiny little bit of a stall this week. Tick your boxes again. I'm sure you'll see a big drop over the next couple of weeks. Just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, and it is, it's just, it's such a difficult phase because it is, it's just kind of like, come on guys, you got this, you got this, keep pushing through, keep pushing through, keep pushing through. And like you say, the people who do get through this kind of next four to six weeks, those are the people who get the like jaw dropping results. And you go, holy hell, you're like a shadow of your former self. Or you're just like, yeah, and watching a client kind of take maybe they're taking a progress photo and they look at it and they go that's me <laughs> or something yeah. like that. It's, it's honestly it's absolutely priceless from a coaching point of view and um you just want to get them through that kind of investment phase mm-hmm. um once people kind of go through that investment phase and they start to see that results what's your kind of communication to them do you fight for me I'm always like look I'm so happy we've got here but let's not potentially do what you've done in the past where you've got pretty good damn, damn damn good results you've got the fat loss and then we rebound and then we go back to square one that's my yeah. kind of communication i'm like look you've worked so hard here the journey isn't done like what's your communication to them first and then we'll kind of go on from there so yeah exactly that and i think a lot of people that they uh, they fall in the trap you know realistically a transformation is not only a case of achieving that result but actually maintaining it like a, a, a transformation or a result isn't just getting results and, and rebounding back to square one again it's actually a case of okay let's look at for example where you are now let's look at your finished result but then let's try and get you looking as close to that finished result in six months down the line as, as we can mm-hmm. and that's again that's where a lot of people fail like you know a lot of the new clients i speak to it's near enough all the time. Oh, I've lost weight before, but I'm not there anymore. So we, yeah. it's always a case of focusing on that, not there anymore, and actually making it a case of, right, no, you're going to get results, but you're going to maintain them. So um, it's a case of not being complacent. You know, like when it's, I can understand, I can very clearly see how people can fall into the trap because when they first start, they're you know, out of shape, they're maybe overweight, not feeling happy, not feeling comfortable, and there's a lot of urgency to change. Mm-hmm. Three, re- so fast forward say three four five months and they're feeling happier more confident they're fitting into their clothes again all that sort of stuff and they've they've not got as much pain or purpose or intent to change because actually people actually feel pretty happy now like you know I'm, I'm feeling good i'm feeling happy like you know i'm, I'm not feeling uncomfortable anymore so there, there's not as much sort of urgency not to you know over consume or not to go a little bit heavy on you know a meal out or something like that so 
I always sort of instill into them, like, don't get complacent right now because it's very easy to drop the balls. And right now, like, you know, you're only really at the peak of your result. You want to really sort of main focus on the maintenance phase. Now, I've actually thinking, right, you've got there, awesome work, but we're now going to really focus on maintaining that. So we, now we've looked at what you need to do to get there. We now need to look at what you need to do to maintain it. So, you know, that end result, and you know, a lot of people I've, sp- I've spoken to is, they've got to that result and they think, oh, it's cool. I've, I've got my result now. I can just stop it all, all now. And then you just see these people literally just literally like almost plummet back to where they've just come from. <laughs> like, And as a coach, you're like, no, don't yeah. do it. Don't do it. Whereas, um, you know, I always like really like to work with someone to a point where they think, right, you know what? Like I've achieved my result like three months ago, but I'm still here now. And then they think, okay, cool. Right now you can go on your own. Now you know what you need to do. You, you've got the awareness, you've got the knowledge and you've got the resources and tools to enable you to actually maintain that result you've actually achieved rather than just working your ass off for three months and then just literally falling back to where you've just come from in the next two. Maintenance is a skill. I really do think maintenance is a skill. And I think it's so underrated. I think everyone bounces between fat loss phases, gaining phases, fat loss phases. In my, in my, in my eyes, maintenance is a fucking win. It's a result Mm. because very, very few people can actually do it. Um, I think one of the most important thing is when they, people kind of get to their results, like, right, let's write some goals. Like, what is your goal now? Like, yes, your goal is to maintain it. I personally really, really like to say like, right, let's start focusing on your performance. Like, who's mm-hmm. going to start coming up? Let's, let's set performance goals. I want to hit 100 kilo squat for a set of 10. I want to bench press 50 kilo dumbbells, blah, 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 blah. Let's kind of shift that focus from weight loss, weight loss, weight loss, weight loss, body, like body image, image, image. And let's put it on your performance because it's also quite a hard transition if you've got so used to seeing scales chip away, chip away, chip away, chip away yeah, yeah. to just seeing things plateau. But if you see things plateau, be like, oh, my strength's going through the roof. I think it can just kind of help people keep and keep the wins, keep the wins, keep the wins. Because mm-hmm. as soon as you start to see not necessarily losers or no wins, that's when people can become, become complacent, like you say. Yeah, exactly that. And I think, um, you know, when you're going through a fat loss phase or a dieting phase and you're very sort of fixated on metrics such as, you know, potentially scale weight, you know, measurements, photos, that sort of stuff. And you're very fixated on physical changes when you're now not now no longer dieting anymore and you're not going to see those physical changes week after week after week, you now need, you need, you need sort of almost reset and realign your focus onto something different, which you can focus on week after week. So for example, like you say, performance-based goals, adding, you know, extra reps to your sets or adding an extra, you know, kilo to your, to your, to your lift or something like that. So you can still proactively increase and develop that goal uh, rather than thinking, right, that's my goal now. What do I do now? And that's where people fall off the rails because they've Get lost. Exactly. They, they achieve this, uh, you know, really, really uh, big goal. They've got, got this massive achievement. They cut Now they feel massively overwhelmed because they're, they're like, oh shit, what do I do now? Like I've got nowhere to aim. I've got nowhere to aim. And then they just sort of drop all the balls and I think, you know, I've got nothing to aim for. And that's when you seem slowly sort of move back to square one. So if you can sort of get your result, focus on the maintenance, but almost like um, replace that sort of focus of, you know, um, like you know what rather than sort of being too fixated on like you know losing you know one two pound every week or you know being really really fixated on things like you know maybe activity or things like that you're still having awareness over it but you're now sort of shifting that focus onto like you know performance you might sort of pick like three main lifts you want to progress with and sort of set you know a three-month goal with those it might be right okay by three months time i want to add x amount to my squat i want to add x amount to my deadlift or bench press or something like that so you've still got an active fresh goal you can work towards yeah. rather than just sort of try to sort of like just dabble on keeping your weight at the same mark you know if you can sort of keep your weight at maintenance but actively get stronger you you, you know you're in a good really good spot yeah you're into you're in, you're onto a winner for sure um i personally really like reverse diets as long as the client's in the right frame of mind if you've got somebody who's really really at the end of the kind of battle space they are really struggling to stick to things I don't, I like, I personally, let's talk about that. You've got someone who comes to the end of a fat loss phase, but they're kind of really struggling with it. I personally, I'm like, right, let's bump you up to maintenance counts. And I like to give people a kind of a range. I'm like, look, I want to, I want you to sit between 2,500 and 3,000 calories. And this should help you maintain your weight, learn how to eat a bit more intuitively, focus on performance. Let's keep you moving, keep you active. Um, would you take a similar approach to someone who is kind of really struggling to stick to things towards the end? Yeah, hundred percent. And I think, um, you know, giving calorie ranges is, is a really super, I get a simple, again, possibly underused tool when it comes down to, um, you know, maintenance or reversing out of a diet or things like that, because ultimately if you think, okay, well, you know, your progress, your weight is going to be governed by, you know, uh, intake and output. So your expenditure daily doesn't just sit at the exact same figure of burning 
3,000, 2,000 calories every single day. It's going to vary quite a degree whether you've trained or not, whether you, how many steps you've done, all that sort of stuff. Obviously, we don't, we don't want to sort of playing too much on that, but hmm. ultimately having a range of calories is, is really, really useful. Um, so giving someone a range of calories to work towards so they can always have that little bit of in, you know, intuitive eating within that range. It's not just like, just don't, don't, don't sort of focus on anything at all and just eat intuitively with no guidelines. You've still got that element of, right, okay, this is your calorie ceiling. This is your minimum. Work within that range. But if you're not feeling particularly hungry, don't stress over hitting your top. If you are feeling a bit more hungry or you're training for that day, you know, you, you've got an extra few hundred calories to play with. You've so you in the range. Yeah, exactly. And I think the ranges work really, really well because it just removes that pressure. It remo- removes that, you know, oh, you've got to be perfect at hitting this many calories per day. Um, and I think that's when some that that's when sometimes sometimes people can get a little bit maybe, you know, um, caught up. In uh, stuff. Yeah, they sort of find themselves sort of you know worrying too much about you know trying to hit their calories to the absolute number when so realistically focus like, becomes really really high and people start getting worried when they're going over and like you shouldn't be you really really shouldn't be I think it's very very important to start to become very in tune with your kind of natural body signals because people who are kind of if you're getting like really like if you're getting absolutely shredded then your hunger signals are so whack they're so yeah. out of the place or even if you've just been on a really 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 long cut like someone who like for example you've had someone who's lost 100 pounds like when they kind of get down to where they are yeah. in terms of them actually listening to their like hunger signals they're probably not going to be that great at it and i think yeah. giving calorie range is a good way to start people on the kind of road out of tracking like i would say to my clients i don't want you to track forever because no. I don't think it's healthy. I think you should be tracking for when you need it and eventually want to transition out of that and be able to eat intuitively. And I think giving those calorie ranges out of the fat loss phase really helps the people to kind of stay in touch with their kind of hunger signals because they can get lost. Yeah, exactly. And I think, again, people fall off because they think nutrition's got to be black and white. They think it's got to be tracking every single macro they ever consume, weighing like their oats to the gram and you know, going really, really in depth or not doing anything at all. And it's just you know, having a more of a logical approach of thinking, right, okay, we don't, we don't want to do this, but we don't want to sort of just shoot ourselves over here too quickly. So it's just going to be a, a real easy transition. So if, you know, if you are, for example, working towards like macro targets, okay, cool, just work towards a calorie and protein goal. You could then, in, you know, implement like a range or at least just a calorie ceiling and a minimum protein requirement. So yeah. it doesn't have to be completely like, you know, left or right, hot or cold. It can very much be, okay, this is going to be a slow transition to moving you from where you are now because you know if, you, if you've been sat in a deficit and tracking your calories for the last six months you're probably going to struggle if you say right don't worry about tracking anymore yeah that's that's yeah. when people get lost and then people just go bah! and then they get a poor relationship with tracking because they think they can only get results if they track 100 percent. so yeah. it's just that transition and just having and again this is where like you know actually having someone by your side and having someone in your corner as a coach to direct this is super important because you know these are all the things that people don't think about they just think oh i'm just gonna track my calories to 1500 calories if i'm on track but if i'm not i just won't, 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 won't bother anymore yeah fuck it i'm gonna eat 10,000 cows <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but so, it, it happens to everyone it's just it's getting out of that all or nothing mentality as well isn't it yep 100 exactly that and i think that's where you know a lot of these sort of other you know um nutrition programs or you know approaches to sort of dieting they 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 don't offer that they don't they don't offer like you know what happens after your diet or okay right you've achieved your result now how are we going to maintain that it just it's just very much off the shelf go and do this mm-hmm. but it won't really coach you it won't really give you the tools and resources to what happens after that or if changes do need to be made how is that going to be you know implemented or how can we redirect this towards a bit more about you know the individual circumstances again it doesn't do that so you know, there's so many benefits to having more of like a structured, um, you know, exit plan uh, to the diet, it, you know, more than just maintaining progress. But, you know, the approach to nutrition, the relationship with food, all that sort of stuff, you know, coincides, coincides with actually having a structured exit plan rather than just, okay, you're done now, scrap my fitness for health, see you later. Good luck, you're on your own. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that's super useful. And people take a lot, a lot away from that. The other way that I go about it, if I've got someone who's coming towards the end of a fat loss phase, they've got an awesome result, they're shredded, they're confident, they're happy, and they're kind of feeling happy. They're not struggling with their nutrition or anything like that. Obviously, they're probably a little bit hungry or something like that. I quite like reverse diets. I don't know if you've played around with reverse diets at all. 
Yeah, I've done it for a few people, especially like I say the, the you know the, the people who go um, you know to, to the to the extent of getting a little bit leaner, mm-hmm. um, and they do need to have like I say just a bit more of like a play around with you know what happens within the sort of the you know two to four weeks post diet, especially. Um, so I, I do like to sort of bring them out of it you know slowly, but not to the point where they're just like they're being held in a deficit for longer than they need to. Um, you know where they're sort of adding like you know just like so small amounts of calories to their, to their day, like they're just holding themselves into a deficit for another four weeks. Yeah. So ideally, yeah, we want to get them up to maintenance, but sometimes it is worth just taking a bit more of a staggered approach or just a little bit like step by step um, over, you know, a handful of weeks to sort of bring them up to that point a little bit slower, um, especially if, you know, someone sort of maybe maybe got in their mind that they're a little bit wary about increasing food or, you know, they're a little bit worried about increasing calories again or something like that. You know, it's just a bit more of like a safety net sort of say, okay, we're going to increase them, but we're going to increase them slowly um, to sort of help with that sort of, you know, uh, mindset at the end of a diet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I like to, sort of, again, if someone's been in a diet for a fairly long period of time, you know, they're, they're extremely hungry, their recovery is not great. You know, their potential sort of food focus is getting a bit higher. You know, you really want to get them to that maintenance because really maintenance is like okay that's right you can breathe now you can chill out you can relax like that's where your body wants to be to get into that point you know not as quickly as possible but like as as you know as effectively as possible can be really really worthwhile like there's no point in holding yourself in a deficit and increasing like 50 calories a day for like you know 10 weeks because you're just holding yourself in in, in a deficit for another 10 weeks you know there's no point but I get, you know, sometimes you don't want to sort of just jump from, you know, where you were at the end of your diet right up to your maintenance in like a week. Because sometimes, again, that's just too much too soon. I personally, also, I found with some clients, you give them an inch, they'll take a the mile. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, right. The cut's finished. Let's give you some more food. And it goes from more food to all the food. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think reverse diets are great, particularly um, if you've got someone who is quite on quite low calories, but they feel okay, just slowly incrementing it. Like how we have to... I always say, I say to clients like this, like how when we're in a fat loss phase, we have to slowly lower calories throughout. Okay. If we slowly up calories, your body's just going to not adapt to it, but your body's going to deal with it very, very well. Okay. And realistically, most people can actually eat a hell of a lot more than they think they can and actually maintain their body weight, especially if we include things slowly, we keep activity fairly high. And I always say to people like, what if I could get you eating the food, the, the amount of calories that you were and maintaining your body weight that might be 20 pounds, 10 kilos, five kilos, seven kilos lighter. Yeah. You'll be laughing and maintenance becomes so much easier. Yeah, so yeah. I think just looking at a weight going, okay, I'm maintaining a little bit. Do you reckon I could get away with a tiny bit more food? Yeah, probably let's give it a go. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I can get away with a bit more food and I maintain great. Let's hover here. I feel good. Oh, I'm starting to feel a little bit hungry. Maybe let's pop a little bit more in. Okay. I think yeah. the reverse diet approach can be, very 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 effective but it has to be used with the right person and they have to have the right mentality for sure um once you've if you kind of run how long would you run a maintenance phase for after a cup slash a reverse diet I mean, to be honest, it really depends on some of the people's goals. Like, you know, I've got some clients and they sort of they, they, they sort of they come to me from like a fat loss point of view, they want to achieve that. And then like they're just quite happy in that phase. Like they're just quite happy, like, like some clients that they may not want to, you know, really focus on, like, for example, like, you know, building muscle or things like that. Some clients do, and a lot of people probably would do. Um, but I like to sort of, again, it, it's really sort of client dependent. Like, you know, some clients respond things, you know, differently to different circumstances, different phases. Um if someone's you know uh got to a point where they're sort of happy they're they finish their diet they're in a condition they're they're happy with and they want to sort of just maintain it i'd probably like to see them you know maintain it for a good sort of six to eight weeks before we consider doing anything else um you know i wouldn't sort of class like a week of maintenance as a as a a point thing oh yeah you're all good now like let's go again let's you know bump let's let's go into a different phase like yeah exactly i want to sort of see them like having sort of maintain it for a good sort of yeah sort of six to eight weeks because ultimately you, you know, you want to sort of almost look at dealing with all the other life events, which is going to come with that and, and see how they respond to it. Like, you know, some people, their first sort of social outing that they've, uh, they've sort of dealt with when they're not in a diet, again, that's a bit of a test to see what happens, but are they going to have to sort of still control things rather than thinking, Oh, I'm not on a, I'm not on a diet, happy days, just absolutely yeah, like smash it. Like, so it's just a case of just like dealing with a few events and like getting, getting them used to it. So it's not like it's like a novelty again, like eating all this food. It's just like, okay, this is normal now. I'm used to it. I'm happy with it. Um, and now let's look at sort of going to somewhere different. So um, yeah, like for most probably if they are looking to sort of transition to a different phase, whether it be like a, you know, a gaining phase or a building phase after that, 
I like sort of at least sort of hold them stable for a good sort of six to eight weeks beforehand. Um, but it sometimes, you know, some, some, some clients are just really eager to sort of change direction when they finish a diet and think, you know what, I'm ready to go again. I want to push, I want to push and go into this phase. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really just depends on, again, sort of the client's, you know, sort of mindset and psychology behind things. Um, so it really depends. But for most, like I would sort of personally like to, as a coach, I'd like to hold them there for a good sort of six to eight weeks prior to then sort of changing direction again. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And then that's when, if someone is really keen to kind of go on to that next step, that's when I think a reverse diet is good because it, they're maintaining, but it makes them actively think they're doing something, they, which yeah, they are, yeah. but it just kind of gets that buy and win, 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 win still. Um, another thing on that is just, I think once you're maintaining, we've kind of gone through this whole journey. You've now maintaining your journey is probably whoa, anywhere from five to a, five months to a year. Yeah. Circumstances change, man. Like you could have a different job. You could have a kid on the way. You could li- literally, there's so many different things. You may have to kind of look at things and reevaluate and go, okay, oh shit, this isn't working for me now. Cause I've mm-hmm. got, I've now start my job at 5am. I can't get up and do my steps before. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's have a look at those habits. How can we rewire this? And I think that's one of the perfect times to do that because realistically you don't know where you're going to be in six months. You don't know what you're going to be doing, who's going to be in your life, who isn't going to be in life, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So it's constantly that evaluation and things like that and looking at things, have circumstances change. What do I need to implement? This sounds really cliche, but one of my biggest idols is Christian Guzman and his motto is proud, but never satisfied. And yeah. that just re- resonates so well with me because you've got to be proud of where you come from, but you've constantly got to be kind of looking like, Am I setting myself up for success? Am I maintaining well? What's after this? What's after this? And it's being kind of one step of your one step ahead of yourself so that you don't almost fall off the wagon. Okay. Um, if people do kind of then want to transition to a kind of gaining phase, I think majority of my listeners will kind of fall in this kind of category. Yeah. What's your process into this? So trick question that, cause I know what my answer would be. <laughs> yeah. So, um, again, it's going to be sort of dependent on the person. It's going to be dependent on the, on the client in terms of, you know, again, you know, essentially if you're going into a gaining phase, you want to obviously actively look at, you know, strength and performance, um, you know, as well as obviously everything else, but essentially you want to sort of go into a gaining phase, but you don't, you don't want to get fat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you want to, you, you want, you want to, you know, appropriately, you know, gain, gain, uh, gain size, gain strength, but, at a rate which is going to be sort of not leaving you just like out of condition and unhappy feeling like bloated and lethargic because again you know there's only so much food that we can eat um so looking at again like setting yourself out with like rates of progress so like okay right if you're looking at gaining weight okay what's the let, let's look at some rates of progress that we can expect to be seeing while still maintaining a relatively you know okay condition but also being really f- focused on like um, performance markers as well. Like, you know, if you're gaining weight, but you're not getting any stronger, like that weight's only coming from somewhere. It's not muscle. Yeah. <laughs> um, so looking at gaining weight relative to strength. So, you know, again, utilizing progress markers on like main lifts, um, you know, uh, squats, bench, deadlifts, you know, overhead presses, that sort of stuff. And sort of setting, pr- um, you know, performance-based goals within that, you know, a lot of the people I work with when it comes down, when they I have worked with them, when it comes down to sort of building muscle, the more you focus on performance in a building phase, like the building just takes care of itself. Like, yeah. you know, if you focus on like progressively overloading your workouts, getting stronger, log working your sessions, and just again, just being like relentlessly consistent with that. And you're eating adequate amounts of food, you're gaining, you know, adequate amounts of weight, you're eating, you know, eating a relative amount of protein, like you will build muscles. It's again, it's not a complicated pro- uh, process. It's not, I'm not saying it's easy, just like fat loss isn't easy, but it's, it's quite a simple process. And again, people make it far harder than it needs to be as a result, making it more complicated. And they, again, they just drop the balls because they're just trying to sort of make it far harder than it actually needs to be. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like the reverse of fat loss. You're using sort of, st- you're still utilizing sort of key principles as in like, you know, working towards rates of progress, focusing on sort of key elements as in like, you know, progressive overload, adequate protein, adequate calories, you know, adequately gaining weight, but you're just utilizing that on different areas. So you're still, you know, measuring things, you're still managing things, but just looking at different areas. Um, so it's just like, almost, it's almost like the reverse of fat loss. Mm-hmm. You're still, you're still, you're still pretty much, you know, measuring, you know, key principles from training to nutrition to progress, but you're just looking at different areas. Yeah. A hundred percent. I honestly think like <laughs> so many people that are, yeah, let's run a gaining phase, gaining phase three months in oh shit, I'm too fat. I need to cut again. Like yeah. that's, that is the worst thing that you can, we've all been there. We've all done it. And I'm me, yeah. me and Johnny did, I think it was episode three. We talked about our biggest mistakes and that would, I would honestly say is one of my biggest mistakes I've ever made is just kind of going gaining going on the seafood diet eating everything it's the worst thing you can ever do 
Um, it comes back to that kind of not going back to square one. If you take that approach, you will go back to square one. People transition to the gaining phase, and I think that means eat everything in sight. Honestly, your rate of gain to gain muscle is so much slower than you think. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, like the longer you can spend in that at maintenance or even in a slight per- surplus, just focusing on strength gaining, that is what is going to build you the muscle. Yeah. Lots of excess body fat just means you have to cut early. You can spend less time in that surplus. It yeah. also just means cutting isn't as fun as gaining. It really isn't. Um, no, no. And you'll, you will soon learn that if you end up on that. So please take um, our advice and kind of listen to that because I wish I had someone, I had, wish I had something like this podcast, for example, to listen to when I was going through that, because I don't think I would have made half the mistakes that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really do think like, particularly from my clientele, people who want to maybe get lean and they want to go through in the next process and they want to actually build like a serious, like aesthetic physique and they want to see big changes. Yes. In that first 16 weeks, you can get pretty lean, but if you want to make a real, real difference and like aesthetically building some lean muscle and become athletic kind of things, you then have to move into a kind of lean gaining phase. You have to gain some muscle so that then eventually when you come back to cut, you can see visual changes. And I personally think if you just kind of yo-yo between all the two, yo-yo between all the two, you just end up not making that much progress. Okay. Um, Just slightly moving back towards the kind of the gaining phase though. One of the main goals that I use with clients within that is trying to one, get food up to a good place so that food focus comes down because we know food focus can become a massive thing in the cut so that when they, you're kind of almost setting yourself up really well for that future cut. And that's when you see the kind of real, like, holy fuck moments. Um, I think it's massively important to make sure we kind of attack the gaining face with the right kind of rate of gain, but also doing it for the right reasons. And there's key things and key boxes that we need to tick along the way to make sure that you are ready to then cut effectively because otherwise I think people kind of rush through that gaining phase and then just shoot themselves in the foot when it comes to that cut because they end up still food focused and then the cut happens and they just end up binging. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, when you're sort of dieting, you can only look so good after having lost a certain amount of body fat, right? So if you get really lean and, you know, you're, you're, pretty, you're pretty, pretty lean, you know, you're not going to look any better if you get any leaner. Like, you're just gonna, there's only so lean you can get. Like, whereas if you actually want to look improved that's going to be based on sort of what you're doing within that gaining sort of phase. You know, if you sort of spend, you know, a good solid, say like, you know, six to eight months or something like that, you know, in a, in a progressive gaining phase, you can add gradual amounts of, you know, weight uh, to, to your, uh, to your body. When you do come around to, uh, to cutting again, you can actually look different. Like the worst thing you can do is like I say, diet, get to yourself to a really good point and just literally just gain unnecessary amounts of weight over two, three months want to go back into a cup because realistically like the amount of weight, the amount of muscle you're going to gain in two, three months is very minimal. So you're going to go back into a diet, spend, you know, eight to 12 weeks diet again to look the same. So you might as well just go at an actual uh, effective rate of progress for a good, say six to eight months at least to actually look significantly different next time you come around to a cup. Because that's, that's the whole reason why you're going to want to do it. You're going to look better. You can look, you're going to want to look improved. You're going to want to develop on your progress. So you want to do the things which are actually going to enable that to happen rather than just dieting to look the same every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Just to give people some takeaways on that is what's the kind of rate of gain that you look at for clients when they are in a gaining phase, just because I think it's important for people to really know about this when it comes to fat loss. I think people are pretty clear about it now. Um, especially in the last couple of years, it's become a lot clearer. Like we kind of look and for me, I look at that kind of one to 2%, um, especially to start with, then you're kind of moving down to 1% of your body weight per week. If you can do that, you're doing fucking well. Um, yeah. gaining wise, I still think there's a lot of misconceptions. What, what kind of rate of gain do you look for? So I generally sort of, we'd probably shoot around like one and a half percent per month of your weight. So guys, that's per know. month, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Just on the month, not yeah, really so, per month. <laughs> yeah. So it's per month. So it, it's pretty not far off what you'd look to lose from like a, a fat loss point of view, but gaining that amount per month. So again, you know, um, if you're looking at sort of say, I don't know, say a hundred kilos, and you're gaining, you know, you're probably going to look at around 1.5 kilos ish per month. You're gaining, so again, like 100 kilos, that's like a fairly decent, like a, a fairly bigish guy, and that's only, you know, that's only like one and a half kilos. So if you've got a guy who's like 70 kilos, you know, you're probably not going to look at gaining much more than a kilo per month. Like it's mm. not a lot. And realistically, again, if you're look, looking at fixation on the scales, you're gonna you're gonna be seeing so minimal changes. Like you're just gonna be sort of just trying to sort of like you know clutch at straws there's nothing really you're going to be able to see because it's going to be sort of, and that's where you're going to fall into the trap of thinking oh i'm not making the bros i'm not getting any weight i'll bump calories up even more so if you just sort of think right you know Look what let's just, 
yeah, exactly. If you think, oh, I've not made any progress, I want to push calories up even more. Um, you're gonna, you're just fighting a losing battle. Whereas if you think, right, you know what, this is roughly where I need to sit. I'm going to give it a good sort of couple of months, see where I'm at there, but I'm going to almost gauge my rate of uh, increasing calories based on performance. If I'm mm. progressing well in the gym, I'm lifting more, I'm recovering well, like keep calories where they are. Mm-hmm. If however you feel like, you know, your, your recovery has been a little bit impacted, you're struggling with progression and you know, you're, you know, you're, you're not, for example, due like a deload, you can then use your progression mark as a way of thinking, right. Yeah. Let's bump calories up a little bit more. So generally building, like it's less about actually focusing on like gaining and it's actually focusing more about actually progression. Um, you know, realistically, like the actual level of surplus you need to be in is probably not really that high to gain the amount of, you know, weight you're actually looking to gain. Like it's not, you know, it's not like, you know, you need to be sort of shoveling like, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of like drinking like these great big, like, you know, thousand calorie mass shakers and stuff like to try and gain weight. You know, when the, the, the vast amount of people out there probably don't really need to be sitting much more than maybe like a couple of hundred calories above maintenance. Like, yeah. I think honestly, I think within that, I think if you're in a gaining phase, if you almost shoot for maintenance, most of the time you'll actually end up gaining at a pretty good rate. The whole Greg, Greg Doucette thing, main gaining. Like I actually think it's quite an effective mentality towards it. Um, Cause for me personally right now, like I've been overweight. I would personally rather have a slightly slower rate of gain, but be a little bit leaner. I'd rather make my cut a lot easier yeah. in the future than kind of be on the other end of the spectrum and go too quickly. Yeah, um, yeah. Which I think everybody does at some point. Like I'm not going to, sit here and say that I, I'm perfect. I never never got too fat on a bulk or anything like that because I think everyone has. But yeah, looking yeah. back at it, I definitely think that um I'd rather be on the slower side now and just focusing on that main maintenance and yeah. the odd meal out here and there, you'll probably realistically actually end up gaining at quite a good rate. And as long as your yeah. strength is moving well there, happy days. Hundred percent. And I think as well, like you know, again people sort of get into this illusion of thinking, right, you know, gaining weight is just automatically going to lead me to be out of shape because ultimately a lot of people want to you know go through diets and building phases to look better and feel better and sort of you know just generally sort of feel happier within how they're looking so if you sort of go through a bulking phase or a gaining phase whatever you want to call it and just massively overshoot calories gain weight very quickly and spend your all your time in that sort of position feeling out of shape and uncomfortable you're gonna to have to diet quicker and then you're literally all, you're, you're only going to feel the way you want to feel after you've dieted again so if you do go at a slightly slower rate, you can actually sort of feel good all the time rather than feeling out of shape for like eight months of the year because you're overshooting it so quickly. Yeah. And again, people just, they almost like justify gaining or being out of shape when actually like... you really open, bro. Be, yeah, you, you, you shouldn't really be losing your complete... You, you shouldn't be sort of just losing, you know, your all-round sort of composition just because you're in a gaining phase. Like, yeah, okay, you know, you, you're not going to look as lean. You'll be a little bit softer, a bit more fluffy. But ultimately, like, you shouldn't be just completely like neglecting how you're looking because you can justify yourself gaining like and and also the further one way you're going to go the further you're going to have to come the other mm-hmm. so if you just sort of gain like you know 30 pounds in a gaining phase like <laughs> that's only got to come off again yeah you're only gonna have to lose 29 of those because you gained a pound of muscle so well done <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's um my thing is i personally think in a lean gaining phase you should still feel confident being able to like take your top off down the beach yeah. it shouldn't be to the point like everyone has the right and you should feel good you should feel fit you should feel healthy you should feel confident if you're taking it either end of the spectrum too far, because if you get super fucking lean, yeah, you might feel great and you might feel confident, but you're probably feeling like absolute dog shit. Yeah. Okay, if you go the other side of the spectrum, you're probably still feeling like shit and your performance down because you're unfit and that. Yeah. But you're also not going to feel confident. It's almost comes back to the ranges. Like maintenance, maintenance is a range. Like set yourself, set yourself up to success. Look at maintenance and just keep in a good range because eventually then when you come back to cut, you will thank yourself so, 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 so much. Um, yeah. honestly mate I think there's been so many good takeaways from that so thank you very much is there anything else that you think might be uh, useful to everyone to kind of know about um, we've covered I mean, a lot yeah <laughs> we have covered a lot um, just just be careful right you know what information you do consume online like and I think it's great having these podcasts because like you know we don't preach to be sort of giving like you know magical information or like sprinkling fairy dust on people's diets we just give like evidence-based realistic actionable advice which goes a hell of a long way when it comes down to not only getting results but maintaining them you know so don't get drawn into like the shiny object and like you know thinking oh this sounds a really really fancy way of nutrition or training it must be better because realistically like it you know fat loss building muscle and actually achieving a very good result is a very simple process it's not it's not necessarily easy and it does require you know work and discipline and you know all that sort of stuff but it's a simple process so don't overcomplicate mm-hmm. things don't make it harder for you than it really needs to be 
Um, and if you are really wanting to, you know, take things to the next level, like, you know, you know, like you would as well, like, you know, look to actually have some form of support and guidance along the way, because ultimately I've, you know, I've, you know, sort of had my dues and I've had a coach for like two years beforehand to sort of learn the ropes initially, um, you know, to sort of help me out, you know, with everything else. And I think, you know, you can never go wrong with having, you know, extra support and guidance. Um, so yeah, like I say, just don't overcomplicate things. Don't make it hard for yourself than it needs to be. Um, and just know where you're heading, you know, have mm-hmm. the expectations laid out, understand, you know, your rates of progress, have things in place to actually monitor, you know, your progress markers and actually ensure you are heading in the right direction. Um, and, you know, have that sort of structure in place. So you're not just free balling things all the time. It can be very, very easy to spin your wheels if you've got nothing in place to follow. Yeah, 100%. It comes down to if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Um, and then yeah, like, on the, is. Yeah. yeah, 100%. And then on the kind of coaching front of it, like when I made my best progress is when I had a coach. I am a coach. Like you're a coach. We know what to do. We know how to implement it. But sometimes just having a fresh pair of eyes and you don't have the battle in like, if, uh, for example, last, last weekend I was doing my RDLs. I said to my mates who were training me, oh, do you reckon I should do another week at the same way or do I just up it? And the boys went, what would you say to us? And I was like, yeah, but that's the thing that like just having that fresh pair of eyes and someone to be in your corner, say you're fucking smashing it when you are, but also call your bullshit if you need to, Yeah. because even from as a coaching, like, as a coach, you will do it. Like you, your head will play tricks on you and say you're either doing really well or you're doing shit, but maybe you're absolutely smashing it. Or maybe you need to have a word of yourself. So mm-hmm. having a coach and having someone in your corner to kind of fight, fight for you and just be super clear in that clarity and direction is absolute priceless in my eyes okay so honestly mate again thank you very very much there's some awesome stuff in there for everyone to take away um just want to let everybody know where they can find you on instagram or anything like that yeah so uh my instagram handle is uh very simple it's just sam mead underscore so that's all one word all lowercase sam mead underscore that's m-e-a-d-e underscore um all my uh sort of coaching content you know all the bits and pieces i post out there all my results all go through there so um yeah feel free to uh check it out and um yeah if you ever have any other questions like feel free to drop me a message i'm always happy and uh, willing to help anyone out answer any questions and give my sort of take on anything so yeah um it's been great to great to be on and uh, it's been good to share some you know valuable information yeah for sure thank you very much guys um Again, if you could maybe screenshot the um, podcast and post it on your story and make sure you tag both of us. We both really, really appreciate it. Have an awesome one and we'll catch you in the next one.